be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Well, welcome to New Life Church. If you don't know me, my name is Janessa. This is Sherry, Hilda, Jess, Annalise, and Isaac. And we're going to lead you through the service this morning. We're happy you're here. If you're new, we'd like to extend a special welcome to you. We're happy you decided to join us this morning and invite you into worship. Kids, if you'd like to come down to the front, wave your flags. We'd love to have you in worship, love to worship alongside you. As we continue in worship, let's bow our heads in prayer. God, we welcome you into this place this morning. We welcome you into our hearts once again. Fill us with all that we are in need of. Help us to fix our eyes upon you, to open our minds to hear your word and to praise your name this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
invite you to stay in an attitude of worship and stay standing as we take our offering this morning. Our offering this morning is for the Benevolence Fund, which is a fund that our deacons administer for those who need financial help and for Christian school tuition. Um, you can give any of the ways behind me, or you can give in these two offering boxes during the next song. Let's continue worshiping together. Well 
Good morning. Indeed, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, um, as we sang our opening song. Welcome to New Life Church. It is uh, very good to see you all, and a very special and warm welcome to those of you who are joining us for the first time or who are just uh, checking us out. Uh, we we uh, are glad you are here. My name is Eric Van Egmond, and uh, I am uh, honored to be your host this morning. And uh, I've been a member of uh, our New Life Church. It's scary to think about it since the mid-80s. That's almost uh, 35, 38 years. Um, I came to this church um, attracted by only one thing, and and that was a woman who, who later came to be my wife. And we were blessed to be part of this community. And we raised our, our family here. So welcome. Uh, we want to connect with those who are new uh, to New Life or who are uh, just joining us for the first time. And uh, we would we'd welcome you to reach out to us via this Connect card. Uh, you'll find a Connect card in, your, um, uh, in front of your seats and uh, fill it out. And... Uh, um, with your information and you can either drop it off in one of the boxes, offering boxes, or bring it to the, uh, to the info booth in the foyer and you will receive a, a gift bag which includes a, um, a coffee mug and, and uh, our, our uh, coffee grinds that we uh, get from uh, our, our missions connection in um, uh, Honduras, I believe it is, right? Yes, so uh, that's a coffee that I have just uh, adopted, and uh, for those of you who know me, I'm quite a coffee snob, and uh, this is good coffee, so yeah, please do so. And for those who are joining us online, uh, welcome to you as well, and if you also want to just reach out to us, just drop a comment in, in, the, um, in the comment section, and if you want to uh, also connect with this um, our community then indicate so so happy family day and uh, and and uh, that extends to to our church family so we're we're blessed to be uh, part of this family Sean uh, in, in uh, pastor Sean in keeping with our series on resolve is going to be um, preaching today on health and well-being and we look forward to that message Uh, something that we all need to balance in our lives. Uh, And to contribute to that goal, uh, Sean is hosting a walk at Wilban Creek Park this afternoon at 3 o'clock. And uh, that is uh, just off off of the Mission Highway onto Bateman Road, that big park that you see. It's a beautiful walk there, so uh, please consider bringing your family out to to join us in, in that walk. And uh, we begin, you can begin to create some healthy habits in your life. And uh, hopefully that might be a catalyst to get us going. Uh, another role that I play at New Life Church is uh, I'm currently your, your uh, board chair. And I uh, want to draw your attention to uh, an evening that's coming up. Uh, calling it a fireside chat with myself and Pastor Nathan. And this is... Uh, for Thursday evening, March 2nd, uh, 
at 2 p.m. And uh, uh, you can't have a fireside chat with 50 people. You want to keep it small. So uh, we, we have a registration process through uh, the, uh, by emailing the office. We want to keep it to a, a group of 10. And, and if we get uh, more than 10, we're going to host additional sessions. Uh, it is a way, one way in which uh, we can meet one of our board goals this year. And that is just to enhance the communication with our membership. Uh, give, give you an opportunity to ask questions, to, to talk with us, uh, to, uh, um, to raise any, any concerns that you may have, and, uh, uh, and so forth. So uh, please uh, consider that March 2nd at 7 p.m. Uh, it's, it's also uh, uh, one way, too, that we did a, a survey uh, of memberships in late 2021, and, and we just want to loop back to those who um, expressed a desire to connect with us uh, in regards to the survey, too. So uh, we want to hear feedback, too, as well. Uh, also want to draw your attention to uh, worship night happening in two weeks from now. Uh, it's going to be uh, uh, together with uh, Mission Hills uh, Church, uh, a sister church of ours here in Abbotsford. And uh, Mission Hills is hosting it uh, at Rosegate Farms in Matsqui. I believe that's Ted and Greta de Young's place, uh, a farm just off the Mission Highway before the bridge. And uh, uh, it'll be uh, uh, inside. I believe it's a heated Heated, heated facility, but uh, still uh, um, uh, just want to make sure that you uh, have that in your calendar and you can see the details in the, uh, in the uh, encourager, so save the date. So we're uh, just about to enter into a, a three minutes of fellowship time. It's an opportunity for you to connect with each other, grab a cup of coffee, and... Um, and uh, uh, connect with each other. Perhaps you can ask yourselves, uh, what are you going to do this family day uh, today? And, uh, and maybe are you going to come to the park at Wilban Creek Park? It's also time that we can dismiss the kids and, uh, and uh, allow the, the parents to bring their, their, their uh, kids aged uh, three to five down to Little Lights and, uh, and the grade, kids grade one to five could go downstairs using the door to, the, to my right there and, uh, and go down to Kids Church. So we'll just begin our um, uh, three-minute fellowship time. So thank you and, uh, and God bless. We've been a sermon, in a sermon series called Resolve since the beginning of the year. And today we come to the end of that sermon series. With the start of the new year, we've been in this sermon series to examine ourselves to think about what resolutions we could make in different areas of our lives so that we might grow, not just grow as a new and better you in 2023, but really to grow in loving God in all areas of our lives, to grow in loving God with our time, to grow in loving God through prayer, to grow in loving God in service, to grow in loving God with our money. And last week, Pastor Nathan talked about how we could grow in loving God by prioritizing the kingdom of God in our lives. Today, we'll be looking at how pursuing physical health and fitness 
Help us to love God with our bodies. Now, at the beginning of the new year, many people make resolutions to eat better and to exercise more for the sake of either self-improvement or out of self-love. The pursuit of physical health and fitness could become an idol for some. So how could pursuing health and fitness help us to love God with our bodies? They help us by enabling us to be good stewards of our body. Pursuing physical health and fitness helps us to love God with our bodies by enabling us to be good stewards of our body. And the reason why we should be good stewards of our body is because our body is God's good gift. The Bible tells us that when God created human beings, he saw all that he has made, and he said it was very good. Our bodies are created by God, and as with all of his creation, our bodies are God's good gifts to us. In Psalm 139, King David praises God for the way in which God has made him. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Throughout Scripture, there are many passages in the Bible that affirms the human body. For example, in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul refers to our body as the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Also in Ephesians 2, Paul writes, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Not only Paul, but Jesus himself referred to his body as a temple in the Gospel of John when he talked about destroying the temple and raising it again in three days. After all, the doctrine of incarnation is an affirmation of the human body as Jesus, the Son of God, fully divine, took on human flesh and became fully human. Not only is Jesus' incarnation an affirmation of the human body, but his resurrection as well. Because when he was raised from death to life, he was not raised only in spirit, but he was raised in a physical body. The Bible tells us that when Mary Magdalene saw Jesus, she held on to him. When Jesus appeared to his disciples, he showed them his hands and his side. Not only did they see the scars in his hands, on his hands and side, Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples who doubted his resurrection, touched the very scars on Jesus' hands and on his side. But if our body is indeed a good gift from God, why is it that the Bible also talks so negatively about the body? Doesn't Paul say that our flesh is opposed to what the Holy Spirit does in our lives? Now, whenever the Bible, specifically in the Apostle Paul's letters, talks about the flesh, it is not referring to the human body. But he is referring to the sinful nature that is inherent in the human body. In Galatians 5, when Paul writes, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Here he's talking about the sinful nature in us that is in conflict with the Holy Spirit. 
Also in Romans chapter 8, when he says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Here again, with the word flesh, Paul is referring to the sinful nature that is at work in us. And he talks about how living according to one's sinful nature and living out of that sinful nature with our bodies will certainly lead to death. Yes, though our bodies are God's good gifts, sin, the illegitimate intruder, has corrupted the good gift that God has made and given to us. This is why we experience tension in ourselves when we wrestle with the temptation to gratify the desires of our sinful nature. Even the Apostle Paul felt this tension when he wrote about not doing what he wants to do, but instead doing what he hates to do. He writes in Romans chapter 7, For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. As it is, it is no longer my I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is God who not only has given us the good gift that is our body, but it is God who also delivers us from sin through Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross so that all those who believe in him might live. Through his death on the cross, we've been delivered so that instead of living under the curse of sin and death, thereby deserving God's wrath, we now live in freedom, having been reconciled to God as his children. Instead of living as slaves to sin, we have been liberated and given power to say no to our sinful nature so that we may live wholeheartedly for God, so that we may live in step with the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. All this is made possible for us because God made him, that is Jesus Christ, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now this is the good news. And for this reason, we need to be good stewards of our body. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Jesus died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The reason why we're to be good stewards of our body is because Christ has redeemed us, both body and soul, so that in everything we do, even in the way we treat and care for our bodies, we might do for him. After all, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we're called to do it all for the glory of God and to honor God with our bodies. So then, how can we be good stewards of our bodies so that we may love God with our bodies? By exercising self-discipline. We can be good stewards of our bodies by exercising self-discipline. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, Paul writes to the believers in Corinth about exercising self-discipline. He begins by asking a rhetorical question. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? The race that Paul is referring to is the 
Isthmian Games, which was one of the four major Greek athletic competitions during his time. The other three were the Olympic, Pythian, and Nemean Games. It was held every other year in Isthmia of Corinth and attracted thousands of visitors to the city. Needless to say, it was a major sporting event during Paul's time in Corinth, so the recipients of Paul's letter would have immediately known what race he was referring to, much like the Super Bowl or the World Cup today. Following this rhetorical question, Paul exhorts the church in Corinth to run, run in such a way as to get the prize. No, Paul is not calling on the believers to start going on jogs every morning or to start competing in these games. He's speaking figuratively to urge the believers to live their Christian lives in a a way that counts. Like the runners in a race that are focused, exerting all their strength to become the one who wins the prize, Paul is calling the believers to run their Christian life with the same intense focus and resolve to receive the eternal reward. Now, as a side note, he's not talking about salvation by works here. That would be contrary to what he writes in Ephesians. What Paul is doing here is that he's calling on the believers to live in a manner worthy of the salvation they've already received from Christ. So that when they stand before Christ, that they would receive the crown of righteousness when they stand before him. He's telling them to run in a way so that they would receive that prize from Christ. Because he died for them. So that they may live in honor of him, and in gratitude for him. He continues, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Now, in the Isthmian game, the crown for the winner was made from plastered pine leaves, which was later made from celery. As you can imagine, It was definitely not made to last for a very long time. In order to win this crown, athletes that competed in the games went into strict training that lasted for 10 months, which involved abstaining from certain foods and sexual behaviors. Now, Paul's point is that if the athletes are so strict in their training, in training their body to exercise self-control so that they might win this celery crown, which is only good for compost in just a few weeks, how much more should we as Christians train our bodies to exercise self-control so that we might receive the crown that is eternal? How much more should we as Christians exercise self-discipline with regards to stewarding our bodies so that we might receive an eternal reward that is incomparably greater and more glorious than any reward or prize that this world could offer? Now, I assume that many of you have watched the Super Bowl last Sunday. Pop quiz for all you football fans. Which player has won the most Super Bowl rings in NFL history? Right on. Tom Brady is the right answer. He's the only player to win seven Super Bowls in his career. And the only player to have won, ever won that many in the history of NFL. What's even more fascinating is that he won four of the seven after he turned 37. So we can't attribute his accomplishment simply to when he was young. Now, the reason why I mentioned Tom Brady 
is because he attributes his success to his self-discipline. Everyone, including Brady himself, knows that he's not the most gifted player in the league. He did not have the body to be the best quarterback, nor was he born with a, as, a, as a prodigy with tons of talent. But Tom Brady admits that it was his self-discipline which enabled him to achieve his accomplishments and longevity as an athlete. His diet, his training, his entire lifestyle was shaped around winning, and he disciplined himself every day to get to that goal. Now, if Tom Brady disciplined himself, his diet, his training, his entire lifestyle for the sake of winning the Super Bowl, which is temporary, how much more should we discipline ourselves for the goal of receiving a reward that is eternal? If Tom Brady disciplined himself, his diet, his training, his lifestyle for the goal of becoming a Hall of Fame athlete who will eventually be forgotten, how much more should we discipline ourselves for the honor of hearing Christ say to us when we stand before him, well done, good and faithful servant? If Tom Brady disciplined himself, his diet, his training, his entire lifestyle for the sake of playing the game he loves as long as he possibly can, how much more should we discipline ourselves for the sake of loving God with whom we would spend eternity? This is why Paul goes on to say, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. For Paul, the goal of receiving the eternal crown leads him to live a life with purpose. He doesn't run like someone running aimlessly, nor does he fight like a boxer beating the air. In other words, instead of wasting his energy by pursuing every whim and chance that comes his way, which has no purpose, he focuses and directs himself toward a set goal of receiving the eternal crown. Like Tom Brady, the Apostle Paul lives with intense focus on that goal. But unlike Brady, he does it to receive a crown that lasts forever. Paul says this, Paul says he does this by striking a blow to his body and making, his, making it his slave. Paul doesn't mean that his body is an opponent that he needs to beat up and subdue. His point is the need for self-discipline. Like any athlete who goes through rigorous training, which at times may feel like torture to the body, and seek to master their body by denying it pleasure or comfort for the sake of accomplishing their goal, so too, Paul seeks to train and master his body through self-discipline for the sake of not being disqualified for the heavenly prize. In the same way, we need to exercise self-discipline to be good stewards of our body. For some of us, the need for exercising self-discipline may be in the area of diet. And I don't mean dieting to lose weight to look a certain way the media presents as the ideal body shape. I don't mean that. What I mean by diet is in terms of making intentional choices in our consumption of food for the sake of being good stewards of our body. For some of us, this may mean we need to choose water over pop. 
choosing vegetables over fries, or fruit over candy. For some of us, this may mean we decrease, or dare I say eliminate, our intake of simple sugars and or fast foods. For some of us, the need for exercising self-discipline may be in the area of exercise. Again, I don't mean that we all need to start training our bodies like to be professional athletes. But physical exercise that is appropriate for our age and ability, which will be different for every individual. For some, this might mean developing a habit of going for a run or to a gym. For some, this might mean developing a habit of going for a short walk each day. And to help you get started on this, we are going for a walk later this afternoon together. Everyone is invited and welcome to join us at 3 p.m. at Willband Creek Park. Now, whether our need for self-discipline is in the area of diet or physical exercise, some helpful questions to ask ourselves would be, how is my choice in diet and physical exercise honoring God, the maker and giver of my body? How will my choice in diet and lifestyle lead me to serve God and my neighbors to the best of my ability? And how am I bearing good witness to those around me in the way that I treat and care for my body? Paul reminds us that we will all be called to account before Christ for how we have lived in this world, which includes how we care for the body that God has given us. Each of us will receive what is due for the things we've done while in the body, whether good or bad. Pursuing health and fitness can be a good thing as they help us to be good stewards of the body that is given to us by God. So let us make the resolve this year to care for our bodies through healthy diet and exercise. Though our willpower may be weak, we have the Holy Spirit who helps us in our weakness. So let us grow in loving God with our bodies this year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess to you that exercising self-discipline is not an easy task. Indeed, it feels like sometimes we're striking a blow to our body. To say no to the things that our body desires for the sake of honoring you with our body and loving you with our body can be hard and very challenging. But by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us. That as we go throughout this year, and as we look and examine the ways in which we can honor you in our bodies, we pray that you would guide us. We pray that you would strengthen us. We pray that you would help us. Help us to love you with our bodies this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
people of God, as you go from this place to love the giver of your body, the giver of your breath, the giver of life, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and, to give, and give you his peace. Amen. Go in peace.